Well, happy Sabbath, everyone. So good to see you. We have been in this city series that we called CSI. And uh, before we start the message this morning, I'd like to share with you uh, something from, uh, from my home. Uh, in my office at home, I have a uh, glass board where on this board, my wife and I oftentimes share messages of things that we need to know. So one time, uh, she shared with me this message. Yeah. But one of our children, one who is in another island right now, wrote on the bottom his name. You know, if you ever left notes like that to your loved one, uh, that means something. And you know our names, RMP. But then Johnny came and uh, hijacked our little heart and wrote his name in it. <laughs> when we think about love, love is an experience that all of us long for. Love is an experience that we were designed from the beginning to live with. God created us in his image and likeness because he is a God of love. In fact, the Bible tells us that love is God's character. So if we are to be his children, if we are to experience life the way he intended us to experience it, love, it's a huge part of the equation. So today, as we go into this message, I want to take you to one of the most famous passages in the scripture. And that is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And you have your notes right there if you receive a bulletin. Otherwise, you can open your Bible like the good old days and, uh, and, and let's follow along. Uh, we'll be reading for the English Standard Version uh, in, in case you uh, see the wording a little bit different. And it reads, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest, but the greatest of these is love. Now, these, these three virtues are important to us. They're important not only because they're in the Bible, but they're important because they touch on different areas of our lives. For example, faith. Faith has to do with that area of our life that deals with the spiritual matters. So faith is important. Hope. Hope deals with that area of our lives that deals with emotions. We need to have motivation. We need to have that, that, that feeling of things are going to be okay. So hope was given to us by God to be moved along in the difficult times. But love, love, it's a relational experience. See, God is a relational God. The Bible tells us that in the cool of the day, Adam met with God and they experienced a relationship. God had a personal relationship with Adam. In such a way that God called Adam by name after sin. Adam, where are you? It was not that God didn't know what Adam ended up. God knew exactly what Adam was. 
But sin had cut that relationship. And the one that is always searching for humanity to restore that relationship is God. And even after Adam was made, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Because God made us to be relational creatures. And love is the essence of any relationship. Any relationship, and I mean any relationship that does not have love in the middle, it's a convenience relationship. Culture has helped us to, to devaluate love. Between the Hallmark Channel and the Bachelorette, we really don't understand what love is anymore. So today, as we dive into, into this message, we need to understand what love is not. So love is not words. Love is more than words. It is said that, that a, a missionary went to, to visit the, the, the tribe of the Hopis uh, Indians. And when he observed their behavior and, and their songs, he realized that all the songs or most of the songs that these Indians were singing talked about rain. So the missionary asked the Indian uh, that was helping him with the translation, why is it that most of your songs talk about rain? And the Indian responded, well, it's because rain is very, very scarce in this place, scarce in this place. Is, is, and then the Indian said to the missionary, is that what most of your songs talk about love? Love is more than words. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, if I speak in the tongues of men and, uh, and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbals. So love, it's more than words. And, and if you've been married for a couple of days, you understand that love is more than words. You see, uh, uh, there's times that, that, that I had couples canceling, and, and, and uh, after a while, the husband tells me, you know, pastor, I don't get it. I, I tell her that I'm a different man. I tell her that I change. I tell her that I love her, but she doesn't seem to get it. And the question is always, it's not how many times you've told her or in how many ways you've told her. Have you changed the way you behave? That was free, guys. <laughs> so see, we can't understand, we can't expect for her to, to understand that we love her until our actions match our words. Because love is more than words. Also, family, love is more than knowledge. Love is more than knowledge. You see, we live in a time where information doubles every two years. See, no other generation in history has had access to information as easily as we have in our day. See, this is the one generation that you can fact-check a sermon real time. 
Because information is so easily accessible. In fact, it is said, statisticians have come to the conclusion that somebody who was born between the 1900s and the 1920s and lived for 70 years acquired the same amount of information during that lifetime that somebody who was born between the year 2000 and the, and the year 2010 today. Because of all the media, all the, the ways that information can be acquired. But see... The Bible tells us something very interesting. Verse 2, 1 Corinthians 13. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, understand all mysteries, but I, have love, I don't have love, it's meaningless. Why? Because all the knowledge that we have today, all that incredible amount of knowledge, hasn't really changed our problems. You see, people are still getting divorced. You see, prejudice is still rampant today. Abuse hasn't changed. So all this knowledge that is available to us hasn't changed a thing in our behavior. Because what the world needs is not more knowledge. What the world needs is love. There's a myth that Christianity is about knowing the right things. In fact, we have a name for that, doctrines. If you have the right doctrines, you're good. But see, that's just a myth. Because Jesus never intended for Christianity to be about knowledge. He intended it to be about love. In this day, we know that you are my disciples if you know about each other. No. If you love one another. You see, the Bible tells us that the devil knows the scripture. That the devil believes about God. In fact, he says that he trembles. That's the devil. And he knows more than I do and, you, and us together. So it's not about what we, what we know. The question is, do you love Jesus? That is the question. So love is more than words. Love is more than knowledge. Love is more than power. Love is more than power. See, society admires people in power. We have magazines that talk about it. The top 50 CEOs. We admire people. We follow their trails on the campaigns. We amount the amount of money they make. And vicariously, we wish we were like them. That's why shows like Cribs. You're like, what? Okay, for you who are kosher, Cribs, yeah. For those of you who are kosher, have you seen that channel when they buy houses, they fix them, they flip them? Okay, now you know what I'm talking about. People who have houses that we wish we had. Because we admire that. The Bible tells us in, in, in verse 2 of, of St. Uh, Corinthians 13, And if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains but no love, I'm nothing. Can you imagine the power to move a mountain? I mean, when I was reading this text, I live in Pasadena, in East Pasadena, and, and I'm looking at the mountains outside of my window. Mount Wilson is right there. And I was just thinking, man, 
to have the ability, the power to pray and tell Mount Wilson, just move over a little bit because I want some shade on this side. But it says that if you have no love, you're a big zero. Because all the power in the world means nothing without love. You see, people today are so concerned about climbing the corporate ladder. They sacrifice family. They sacrifice relationships. They sacrifice their faith. They sacrifice all kinds of stuff to climb the ladder. But when they get to the top, they realize that the ladder was against the wrong wall. Because that is not what life is about. Because love is more than power. Love is also more than money. It is common nowadays that parents who work a lot... Because if you live in Southern California, you have to work a lot. And you both have to work two jobs. And it's very common that nowadays we buy things to our kids kind of to justify the time that we don't spend with them because we're so busy working. But see, the Bible tells us this. Verse 3, 1 Corinthians 13. If I give away all I have. All I have, but I have no love, means nothing. You see, it is said that the money is the root of all evil, but in reality it's not money. It's the love of money. But see, what's interesting is that, is that love is most, more powerful than money because with money you cannot buy love. But with love, you're able to give everything. Money cannot buy happiness. Money cannot buy purpose. Money cannot buy health. Money cannot buy relationships. See, in every human heart, an old evangelist said that there is a hole with the shape of God that only God can fill. And the problem is that we try to fill that hole with things, with money. And at the end of the day, which is and happy and dissatisfied and sad because we wasted all that time and all the resources and all the effort, all the energy of our youth trying to acquire money that it just goes away. If I give away all I have, the text says, you can give without loving. You can do that. But when you love... You give everything. So money, I mean love is more than money. And love is more than success. Second part of verse 3. And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not loved, I gain nothing. There is no title. There is no diploma. There is no certificate nor trophy or bank account that is more important than love. Yeah, I don't know if I ever told you this, but as a pastor, unfortunately, I've been in, in moments where people are in their deathbed. And I've never heard anyone 
Over 22 years of ministry saying, Pastor, you know, I'm about to, to, to die. This, I'm about to take my last breath. Could I please have one more time my diploma from college here next to me? Could you bring my bank statement one more time? I just want to check it out, make sure that everything is okay before I go. Could you bring my awards, please? I need to experience the joy of receiving them one more time. No, never. Never. But what I often hear is, Pastor, is my son, my daughter, who we fell out and because of an argument. Is she here? Is he here? Because love is more important than success. So now the question is, now that you're all sad, what is love? I want to plant a seed in your mind today. Love is the supreme currency of heaven. Love is the supreme currency of heaven. And you've heard Jesus saying that we have to store up treasures in heaven. What does that mean? Have you ever asked what does that ever mean? It means that all your acts of love and kindness on this earth, you are making deposits in heaven. Are you awake now? So how can I be better at making deposits in the heavenly account? How can I improve my balance? So I went to try to answer that question on the internet. And let me tell you, it's very dangerous if you Google love. But I found one website by a famous Dr. Love. And what it says is that if you want to have successful relationships, you need to make sure that your relationship is going to work out. So what you have to do is just to put your name and your name of your crush, and it'll tell you the percentage of success that you will have. Apparently names are very powerful. So I full of courage type my name and the name of my wife, Paola. And he came out that we have 38% chance of success. <laughs> so I figure I don't have a middle name, but she does. So I typed in Florencia, that's her middle name. And things got better, 53%. <laughs> so then I typed Alex and Marisela. <laughs> and they're not doing so hot either, they're 47%. <laughs> so I, 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 now I begin to worry and I feel, okay, this thing is crazy. So I typed two names that we might be familiar with, Kim and Kanye. And I figure this thing might be true because might be true because they got 13%. <laughs> Obviously, there's no website that can tell us if love is going to be successful or not. Because see, culture has tell us that, that, that love is a feeling. 
And when you feel things, we make decisions. But making decisions should never be based on feelings or emotions. And if love is something that we need to have, should be our driver in all the things that we do, love cannot be a feeling. So I figure that love begins as a devotion that creates an emotion. In our culture, we, we've learned that love is something that we cannot help. It just happens. In fact, we have an expression that I kind of detest. I fell in love. And it was like you were walking along, minding your own business, and then you fell like in an abyss. Oh, I'm in love now. In fact, I, I think that our problem is that we confuse infatuation with love. We confuse loss with love. And that's why we, we change so quickly from one relationship to another because it wasn't really love. It was just uncontrollable, passionate desire. And that's our problem. Second John 1.6 says, and this is love. Okay, if you were looking for a definition, check this out. And this is love. I think that when the Bible tells us, and this is, that's because that is. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. What is love? To walk in the commandments of God. Because the commandments of God... Crazy idea. They're not meant to be a burden. They're meant to show us God's love. We've made it something heavy to carry. We made it a difficult burden. But God gave, it, gave the commandments to us. He gave us the Decalogue for us to walk in love. In love towards Him and in love towards others. Go figure. So that tells us something, that love, it isn't a choice. Love is there for us to experience every step of the way. What is a choice is who we love. Love is not a choice. The choice is who we love. So we're not really falling in love. We choose to love a person. So there's a powerful thing that I want to share with you. That if we choose to love, oftentimes we choose to love when the, when the loving feelings are there. When you see that person, when, when you rub hands, when... You see her name on the caller ID. And you say, hold on, uh, this is from work. <laughs> you know, when those loving feelings are there, but to choose to love even when the loving feelings are not there, that's powerful. See, a while ago, um, when, the, when the kids were little, and I can say that when the kids were little, I had a brand new car. I had the car that I was hoping to buy one day when I became older. 
and I had my car. So I had two car seats in the back. And all of a sudden, I hear, Daddy, I don't feel well. What's going on? And I fell. <laughs> Remember that, Giovanni? It wasn't him. It was his other brother. On the next car that I bought, it was him. But this is the thing. At that moment, I didn't really have a lot of loving feelings toward my children. <laughs> this is my brand new car. It still smells good. Now the new smell is masked by a different kind of smell that is not new at all. But see, even though I had to clean my car up, the love for my children didn't change. Because choosing to love, even when the loving feelings are not there, it's true love. And that is how our Heavenly Father loves us. That even when we are not loving Him back, He still loves us. Because that is His character. And He wants to instill His character in each one of His children, in each one of us. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that we'll take to heaven, it's going to be his character. A character of love. What is love? Well, love is not love until it is tested. Like there's this, this woman who called her husband on the phone and said, you know, I just won the lottery. Pack your bags. And he's like, awesome, for cold or hot? And she said, I don't care. As long as you're not there when I get home, I'm fine. <laughs> you see, love is always tested. And Deuteronomy 13.3 says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is what? And, no, for the Lord your God is what? For those who are sleeping, for the Lord your God is what? Testing you, testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So notice that the greatest test for the people of God is not anything else but how we love God back. So true love is not really true love until it is tested. And love is tested con continually. It's tested through problems, through stress. It's tested with, with, with uh, this disagreements. It's tested with all kinds of financial difficulties because love is always tested. You know, the state of California, especially Los Angeles County, says that the number one reason, the number one reason for divorce in the L.A. County is irreconcilable differences. Let me translate that to you. We chose not to love each other anymore. Because love is tested. And it isn't love until it is tested. Also love, it is an action that creates an attraction. Now we're getting interesting here. Love is not something we feel. Agree? Okay. Three people agree. 
It is something we do. I guess I said the right thing. <laughs> Funny would have been that it would have gone, you know. But hey, I said the right thing. Love is something that we do. Remember dating? Okay, some of you are like, what? <laughs> see, dating is, is weird because, see, let me tell you people, young people, dating is fake. It's fake. Because, see, nobody who goes on a first date says, I'm just going to go like this. I'm going to go in Crocs. I'm like, I'm like cut off jeans. Nobody. See, when you go on a first date, you wear your best clothing, you, you put your cologne, you actually take a shower and brush your teeth because you want to give a great first impression. In fact, when you go to her house, you actually knock on the door. Well, nowadays you don't do that. Just text her, I'm here. <laughs> but, but when she comes out, when she comes out, you go to the car and you open the door. Well, at least some of us used to do that. Yeah. Now you just go, yeah. it's open. Yeah. <laughs> but see, for, for those of us, for those of us who are old school, we used to do that. In fact, there was a term for that, chivalry. But see, nowadays you try to do that to open the door and she goes, I had hands. I'm liberated. Right? And you try to pay for the dinner. She goes, I have a job. But see, let me tell you, people of my generation and older, when we got married, the moment that we said, I do, we thought, I'm done. Because now she knows the way to the door. She knows what to do with the handle. And then we question, honey, how come we are not like we were before? Simple. You choose not to show your love anymore. And we could get all into the languages of love, but see, it comes down to the same thing. When you're nice, people are going to be nice to you. When you're loving, people are, are going to be loving to you. When you choose to love someone, most likely, you're going to be loved back. Because love, it's an action that creates an attraction. And the more lovely you are, the more they're going to love you back. That's how it is. Does anybody know any nasty person at work? Okay, don't just raise your hand or don't look. Yeah, no, don't, don't. But we all know that person that nobody wants to love. But see, God is, says this. If you really want to show that you're my disciple, you're going to love even those who are not so lovely. Even those who are not so lovable. Because that is what God's love is about. 1 John 3.18 says, 
little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Why is it that we have to wait for that anniversary, for that birthday, to look for that Hallmark card with the right things to say? Why? Why? See, my mom and I have this thing. I'm an only, I'm an only son. I'm an only child. And uh, my mom is always telling me, I love you. Do you love me? I'm like, yeah, but don't tell anybody. See, when we love others, don't expect for them to tell you back. Because when you do something with love, expecting something else, it wasn't really love. It was convenience. It was expecting something in return. And what God has shown us is that God loves us so unconditionally, unconditionally, that when he loves us, he doesn't expect really nothing in return. But he expects that at one point in your life, you just realize how much he loves you, that you cannot live without his love. Ephesians 5.2 says, And walk in love as Christ loves us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So if the question that you have is, how much does God love me? Let me tell you, he loves you this much. That he decided to die with his arms open. So that the world could see how much he loves you. And, and see, if, if, if you ever thought that nobody understands you, that nobody knows what you're going through, that, that you're just alone in the world. Let me tell you that God... In his incredible and amazing love, knows everything about you, knows everything that you're going through. In fact, he says that your name is written in his hand. He knows what is going in your heart, he knows your pain, he knows your suffering, he knows what makes you smile. And he knows what's make you, what makes you sad. Oliver Cromwell was a very famous statement for the British in the 17th century. And as a commander of the army, he had sentenced a soldier to die. And the sentence was that this soldier was going to die at the sound of the bell at curfew time, when the news swam about, the girlfriend of this soldier heard about the sentence. And before the bell rang for curfew, she ran upstairs on the bell tower and she hugged the clapper. When the curfew order was given, the only thing that could be heard was a thud coming from the bell. Cromwell sent soldiers to figure out what's wrong with the bell. And when they got there, they saw the blood and the, uh, and the cuts 
that banging around the bell had caused on the body of this young woman. When she was brought before Cromwell and heard the story, he said, curfew will not sound tonight. And because of the love of this woman that was, giving, that was ready to give her life and sacrifice everything for her loved one, he was giving his life back and a second chance. Today, you and I have been given a second chance to life. Because in our sins and in our tendencies, God has decided that he was going to take the blunt of the sound of sin and the consequences of it. So that you and I could live a life for eternity with him. So it is my prayer today that the sound of love rings in your heart and in your mind. And that your actions and decisions are not driven by emotions and by benefit, but are driven by the love that God has put in your heart. And that it is through him that all that you do becomes a blessing for someone else. And in that way, you can inspire those around you.